Mio. My name's Pauline, and I'm the host of Hello, Podcast Year, an Avatar podcast party. Every Wednesday, I'll talk about an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender and highly overanalyze a children's animation TV show from the mid to late 2000s. So, crack open some cactus juice and let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name's Pauline, and I am the host. Welcome to episode 7 of Hello Podcast Here, an Avatar podcast party. Super exciting. It's been almost two months, which is kind of crazy to me, but at the same time, it just it feels like I started like yesterday. So, yeah. Hope everybody's doing all right. It's been pretty hot, but I've 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 managed, I guess. It's it's been close to 100 degrees the last couple of days, so I've just been hibernating, but some news for the podcast. I will be integrating, like, new segments, I guess is what they're called, into this episode just to make it a bit more fun, organized, and just have it not be one big recap of the episode because... Instead of listening to this podcast, you could just go watch the episode yourself. So, um, so yeah, I will be introducing a couple of different segments, but I would love to hear what everybody else wants to, to hear. If there's an idea that you might have that I could incorporate, please let me know. Email, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. So... And before I get into details, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Prince Zuko's GF on Twitch. I don't know your other social media handles. I'm so sorry, but I see you all the time, like every Friday for the Honor Society streams and you just crack me up every week. So I just wanted to say hi. Uh, If you are Prince Zuko's GF, please message me or tweet me whatever it is you're able to get in contact with me it would be awesome to talk to you so let's get into this episode book one chapter seven winter solstice part one the spirit world so i mentioned in last week's podcast but in case you didn't listen i'm doing winter solstice part one and part two separately i know that they are obviously part one and part two, like, they're supposed to go together, but both episodes, like, the episodes just have two different plots, I guess. Like, part one obviously sets up the plot for part two, so I figured just separate them because, one, I'm trying to do something different for this podcast, and two, I just feel like I have a lot to go over with this episode just because a lot of stuff happens, so. But yeah, anyways, Winter Solstice part one, The Spirit World, First premiered April 8th, 2005. The writer was Aaron Ehas. He's the head writer of the show. And director is Lauren McMullen. And the animation was done by DR Movie. So three fun facts. This is the first time we see Aang go into the spirit world. This is also the first time we see an actual spirit which is pretty interesting. So, second fun fact, we get to see a glimpse of Zuko's inner struggle between, like, his family, I guess, or in his relationship with his uncle Iroh a little bit 
when Iroh gets captured. So we get to see Zuko think, you know, what should I do? What should I actually do? All of that stuff. And then another fun fact, it's the first time we hear Ba Sing say. We are all very well acquainted with Ba Sing say. So it's the first time that the actual name has been reiterated. They mentioned it before, but they didn't actually say Bossing say. So, yeah, that is a name that we will hear later on. Okay, going into the summary of this chapter, I always forget to write a summary when I start recording. So, I get to this part of my notes, I'm like, fuck, I didn't write anything. So, then I have to pause write something, and then come back. So I always get thrown off. But this time, I remembered before I started recording. So I'm getting into it. It's week seven. I will have it down, hopefully, by next week. Okay, summary. So Aang, Katara, and Sokka fly over a burned forest when they are approached by a villager that asks for the Avatar's help. An angry spirit named Heibai is attacking their village and is abducting their people, and it's up to Aang to save them. Unknowingly, Aang enters the spirit world for the first time and finds out how to contact Avatar Roku, the avatar before him. Once he returns to the real world, he connects with Heibai and explains that his home will eventually grow back and the spirit ends up freeing everybody. But unfortunately, Aang finds out about a comet and seeks Roku's wisdom. Meanwhile, Uncle Iroh gets captured by Earth Kingdom soldiers, and it's up to Zuko to save him. Conflicted whether he should pursue the Avatar or rescue his uncle, Zuko makes the right choice and saves Uncle Iroh from getting his hands crushed by the Earth Kingdom soldiers. A new thing I will be introducing to the podcast before we actually get into the chapters talking about some of the themes and, I guess, symbolism in in this episode because Avatar, like, this show itself addresses a number of different themes, motifs, symbols, all that stuff that others just might not include in a kid's show. So I think it's important to highlight them, and I will be doing that moving forward. But in general, Avatar talks about war, genocide, imperialism, totalitarianism... And then going along that, you know, propaganda, marginalization, oppression, and separation of classes. On the flip side, this is something that they always talk about, is destiny, fate versus free will. And they also embrace diversity, you know, whether it's between people, ethnicities, showcasing people with disabilities, and especially at the end of book one, gender discrimination, and female empowerment. But So for this specific chapter, we see a lot of destiny. We see a lot of, obviously, war and genocide with the burned forest. And a little bit about, like, the afterlife and some some religion tied into it. Because, again, this is the first time we dive into the spirit world or even address it, I guess. So, yeah, that's that's that. Some parallels or inspirations for this episode, I noticed, and I, I looked it up, Princess Mononoke is one of the inspirations for this episode. So I remember watching 
Princess Mononoke before, like when I was young. I just, I don't remember anything about it. So if anyone knows where I can watch Princess Mononoke, please let me know. That'd be great. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, so this episode starts out with a messenger hawk that is flying in the sky and gets scared when Appa flies right behind it. Um, I guess this is a messenger hawk. I don't know if it's a, a wild one because it doesn't look like it has like a message or a pouch that it usually comes with. So maybe this is just a regular hawk. I don't know. Sokka is carving wood with his blade while he's sitting in um, the little carrying thing that Appa has. And I feel like this might be foreshadowing Sokka's craftsmanship, if you will, when he makes Yue a fish. But he's not very good at, at woodworking, I guess. I love this opening sequence with the clouds and Aang jumping off because he's such a kid. You know, like who who even thinks about jumping off of their sky bison to land on a cloud? But as they learn, clouds are just water. So we'll see them use clouds to, the, to their advantage in, what is it? In a fortune teller, which is cool. Unfortunately, they do see a huge piece of land just burned to rubble and... Obviously, this is a huge piece of, you know, war. And, and the Fire Nation is just burning shit for for sport. And Aang really internalizes this and he thinks it's his fault. And, you know, how could Avatar Roku be able to help him? Like, how is he supposed to talk to him to understand how to be the Avatar? So this definitely foreshadows what's to come in this episode and the episode afterwards. But little does Aang know that... He himself should not be taking it personally. It wasn't just him. You know, Avatar Roku definitely played a, a big part in this as well, but he didn't know what was going on. But So this whole part of the episode where Aang is sitting on the ground around all of the burned trees is meant to be a recap for the audience on what exactly is happening. So really exciting and they do that quite a lot you know every few episodes just so we understand where exactly we are in the plot and you know what else is is unknown but so the b story of this episode <laughs> that i love so much has to deal obviously with iroh and zuko so uncle iroh is sitting in a hot spring behind some trees and at three minutes and 34 seconds I think this is the first time we hear Zuko say Iroh. Because he's calling for Uncle and he goes, Uncle Iroh. I read the transcript for the episodes before this and I don't recall him seeing or saying Iroh. So this is the first time he says it. I'll be highlighting every time we hear him say someone's name for the first time because he does not say Aang's name until the second part of the finale. He only calls Aang the Avatar, and that blows my mind because, what, the third to last episode, you finally hear him say Aang? Like, <clears throat> I don't know. So, yeah, this is the first time we hear him say Iroh, and it's been seven episodes. But yeah, Zuko's gotta take his uncle's advice. He's super angsty, and he's just, he's gotta relax. He should, but it, it's awesome that Iroh is heating up the hot spring himself, I guess that's a useful perk of, of being a firebender, but Iroh is naked 
So I understand why Zuko doesn't want to go in the hot spring. But one thing I wanted to point out here that I will always point out is the trees. Look at how beautiful these trees look. They, I don't know, they just look amazing. It's beautiful. Speaking of trees, we go back to Katara, Aang, and Sokka. And Katara has great aim by throwing the acorns at them. And this is one of the many ways that Katara can give the group hope and, and, you know, uplift them in some way, shape, or form. So, which is great. But then a man shows up out of nowhere. So the guy points out Aang's markings, his arrows, and asks if he's the Avatar. And I get what the guy's saying. Obviously, there's only one airbender left, and he has to be the Avatar since... He disappeared and all the airbenders are, are gone. So if there was going to be an airbender, it has to be the Avatar. But I know this might confuse some people and I've seen it happen online where they talk about Aang's arrows and say that they're his Avatar arrows, but they're his airbending arrows. So as an airbender, you have to master 36 airbending moves, I believe, to be considered a master. And these are the tattoos that you get. So, yeah, the arrows are meant for airbending, not for being the Avatar. But, as well, for Aang, at least, the two are, are going hand in hand since he's the last airbender and the last airbender has to be the Avatar. But I'm confusing myself. Hopefully I'm not confusing anybody else, but just wanted to make that distinction because I know some people have been interchanging them when arrows are for airbending, not for being the Avatar. Except for Aang, but So we go to Senlin Village. They don't say the name of the village in the show, but I was looking at Avatar Extras and they called it Senlin Village. But when they're walking through, <laughs> you can see an empty green and tan merchant cart to the left. And that's the cart that we typically see the cabbage merchant push around, around the entire Earth Kingdom. With his cabbages, but unfortunately it's it's empty. So I don't know about you guys, but I, I have a theory that the cabbage merchant was there and all this destruction was happening and he was so fed up. So he just left again with his cabbages, obviously, but that's my theory. The sunset looks so pretty. It looks, it looks amazing, but unfortunately when the sun sets, that's when all the destruction happens. The entire village, all the men, women, and children are hiding in one building and they're talking to Aang about, you know, him being the Avatar and within the last few days, a spirit monster named Heibai, the black and white spirit, has been haunting the village after sunset and just abducting their, their villagers. And the background music, when the two men are talking about what's happening, is just very solemn, very sad and... Yeah, it just, it makes me feel bad. But yeah, like I said, they're talking to Aang about the Avatar's destiny and their duty to be the bridge between the two worlds. Uh, by two worlds, you know, spirit world and the normal world. And they were separated before. And we'll learn why they were separated in Korra, I believe. But on the winter solstice, the worlds will be closer than ever until there's, the line is just blurred. So and the winter solstice is tomorrow, I believe. Or the day before. Or two days from now. I don't know. 
But the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, which gives Aang even less time to do what he needs to do with Heibai. So, but yeah, like I said, destiny is one of the huge themes of of this series. So, the Avatar is part of of their destiny and their duty to to do this for their people and to be able to connect to the spirit world. But unfortunately, Aang has not learned how to do that. He doesn't even know how to contact Avatar Roku, so. But yeah, Sokka has absolutely no faith in Aang, which is karma, since he's the one that gets taken later, but in 7 minutes, 25 seconds, we switch back to Iroh. He falls asleep in the hot spring. I feel like Iroh is the type of guy to be, like, that can fall asleep anytime, anywhere, regardless of the situation which I'm super jealous about because I have a really hard time falling asleep except for, like, if I take a Benadryl, which I did yesterday, so I am pretty groggy right now. But the ground starts to shake and (laughs) the earthbenders capture him with all these rocks and they conveniently cover all of his private parts, thank goodness. And they call him the Dragon of the West, the once great General Iroh. So this guy has no idea what he's talking about because Iroh is still great and we'll see his greatness in a few minutes. But Dragon of the West, this is the first time I think we hear him or we hear this nickname. So Iroh is called the Dragon of the West because he can breathe fire. And I guess this is a rare trait of firebenders. You have to be a really good firebender to do it. I mean, we we then see Zuko and Aang breathe fire at the end because they also went to the firebending master. So maybe it has to deal with that. Everybody in the royal family gets a painting done of them. And all of their paintings are really unique. It has different objects for everyone. And Iroh actually has a dragon around his feet, I believe. So... Then we flip back to Aang, 8 minutes, 20 seconds. The sun is setting super fast. The music is so suspenseful here. It starts out with the same few keys repeating over and over again. Aang is attempting to be assertive, but the but Heibai is not even there yet. And the music gets even more loud because we then see that Heibai is just walking behind Aang and he has no idea. So we can definitely tell that he's not in touch with his spirit side, I guess, because in later episodes, like in, what is it, uh, Siege of the North, and then even in the comics, like, he can just go somewhere and feel the vibe, I guess, and and just really feel as if it's super spiritual or something's wrong within the aura, I guess, so he does not have that right now or doesn't have that availability, but... Let's talk about Hey Bye for a second. Hey Bye is voiced by none other than Dee Bradley Baker. And by voice, I mean just the the roars, I guess. <laughs> it's a rather large monster, black and white spirit, really sharp teeth, six legs with fingers on it so that it can capture people. Hey Bye has these sonic screams that will devastate structures, will blow people across couple hundred yards and he can move from place to place pretty quickly and just like that he launched Aang across the village and 
fucking Sokka did not listen. He went outside, threw a boomerang at Heibai's butt, does nothing, and ends up getting captured, which sucks. They told Sokka, but... So then it flips back to the B story. Zuko's trying to find his uncle, but he's not there. All of his helmsmen are in their full armor, and one of their... One of them like, suggests that there was a landslide, which clearly there wasn't, because you would see a lot more rubble from up above if there were to be a landslide, but obviously Zuko is very perceptive, and so land doesn't slide up and figures out that his uncle was captured by Earthbenders. Flips back to Sokka. They're running through the burnt forest. Aang is trying to catch up. They manage to grab hold of each other, and then Sokka disappears. And the scene ends with a bear statue, a really tall one, and there's little bears, like, bowing in front of it. 12 minutes, 10 seconds, Aang wakes up. There's a crescent moon behind him. I'm gonna point out the moon in this episode and the next episode because it seems a little inconsistent. I don't know much about moons. I studied moons in sixth grade, where I had to record what moon was out there, and... (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's a crescent moon. It's on the right side. I don't know if it's waxing or waning or not, but the next episode is a full moon. So, and again, I don't know much about moons, but I don't think the stages are crescent to full. But that's just me. I don't know. If anybody knows a lot about moons, let me know. (laughs) So it flips back to Iroh. And the Earth Kingdom soldiers are riding on ostrich horses. So clearly they are really fast. I don't know how fast ostriches can run, but I know for a fact that they're really fast. Or is it emus? Oh, I don't know. I am not very knowledgeable in animals and mammals and reptiles and just all of that stuff. So if I sound stupid, that's why. But we will see an ostrich horse again in book two when Zuko steals one from Song, the girl that helped Iroh with his rash. But (laughs) So the head soldier, or the captain, he has the Earth Kingdom symbol on his helmet and the others have rhombuses. And they tell Iroh that they're taking him to Ba Sing Se. So this is the first time we hear Ba Sing Se. They referred to it before, calling it like the Great Earth Kingdom city, capital, whatever. And we learn a little bit about Iroh's past year as a general. So as a general, he was the highest ranking officer in the Fire Nation military, navy, whatever. He laid siege on Ba Sing Se for over 600 days, which is a long time. That's well over two years. Or actually, no, that's almost two years. And he was able to get through the outer wall, but he was not successful in taking all of Ba Sing Se. And unfortunately, he lost his son, Luten, in, in this effort. But Iroh's really smart here. He's trying to leave a trail for, for Zuko, and he leaves his flip-flop on the ground. But before he falls off the ostrich horse, he, like, snuggles up against the the soldier that, he, that he's riding with. And the soldier kind of, like, looks back. He's like, what the fuck? What, what's going on behind me? But, yeah, Iroh's nasty flip-flop is on the ground. He leaves a trail. And he has really tiny feet, at least from... My perception, it seems like he has small feet. 
13 minutes, 25 seconds, we go back to the A story of, of the episode, and Katara is on the outskirts of the city, or of the village, and she's holding Sokka's boomerang. First, she lost Sokka, and now Aang isn't even back yet. So, the villager comes out, puts a robe around her, and says that she should rest. But, as he's saying this, his mouth is not moving. Very interesting, isn't it? Aang comes back and he is trying to tell them that he lost Sokka and does not have his staff in his hand. But they don't hear him. They don't see him. Then he realizes that he's blue and translucent and realizes that he is in the spirit world. For the first time, he has no idea how he got there. But at least it's progress. <laughs> this villager has a lot of faith in Aang, which is great to hear because a lot of people that will meet, especially that guy in the storm, like there's, like some people just don't have faith in him. And I get that. He was gone for a hundred years. They're, they're probably really skeptical, but this guy, he's, he's really putting a lot of faith in, in Aang. So I guess it's adding a whole lot of pressure on him. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will see what happens with Iroh's flip-flop. everyone welcome back from the break um i had to re-record this part of the podcast so many times because i went into editing and i erased a lot of what i wasn't supposed to erase so now this is i think my third time recording so bear with me so back from the break zuko finds iroh's nasty flip-flop because apparently he has a strong scent so iroh's ideal worked leaving a trail is helping Zuko find him. So we'll see this flip-flop again in the finale when they go and find Iroh and realize that he's part of the White Lotus. My question is, does Zuko keep this flip-flop the entirety of the show, like from here on out? Like, why didn't he just give it back to Iroh after he found him, like in this episode? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because... If this is that smelly of a flip-flop, like, why would he carry it around in his bag the entire time? I get carrying a photo of Iroh, like, that. that's nice, that's cute. A smelly flip-flop, not so much, but it came into, you know, it, it was a good idea in the end, because without this flip-flop, they wouldn't have been able to find Iroh, but whatever. So, Zuko is riding a Komodo Rhino. So, we've seen one before when he attacked Kyoshi Island. It's specific to the Fire Nation. And Zuko's actually traveling on his own. And I'm surprised that none of his helmsmen came with him. Maybe it's because he thought it was going to be a short trip. Maybe it's because it was his uncle. So, he just wanted to do it on his own. Who knows? But, so, we flip back to Katara. Poor Katara. She fell asleep outside. But Aang is sitting there, he's keeping her company, um, trying to at least, and he's just so cute in this section. He's just like, oh, all I have to do is figure out what I, or what does he say? All I have to do is figure out what to do, but once I do that, no problem. Like, that, I think, is a motto that we all embody at some point in our lives when we just don't know what we're doing, but once we do it, then no problem. <laughs> so... Poor Appa, he's so sad that Aang is gone. Him, 
or he and Aang, their energies are, are tied together because it's like this unbreakable bond between Airbender and their Sky Bison. So he's probably super sad. But then Aang is talking about you know, Avatar Roku, how do I get in contact with you? And then we see this little sparkle from afar. It almost reminds me of Tinkerbell, but it's certainly not Tinkerbell. When it gets closer and we see that it's a fucking dragon, it's huge. But it doesn't hurt Aang, which is nice. So Aang, at first he tries to fly away and, you know, with his, with his staff or his glider or whatever... But there's no bending in the spirit world. At least the way that he entered the spirit world, there's no bending. But if you've seen Korra, you would understand that there's definitely a way to bend there. But the dragon then uses his whiskers to talk to Aang, and he realizes that this is Avatar Roku's dragon. Which is really cool. Like an animal guide for for Avatar Roku. Kind of like how Appa is to Aang. Which is really cool. So... I'm not sure if every avatar has a spirit guide. Like, does everybody have one? I, I don't know about the Earth Kingdom people or even, like, the waterbenders. I know Korra has Naga, but I don't know. I don't know. And obviously all the airbending uh, avatars have a sky bison, but who knows. Crickets! Now it's time to introduce my first segment called the Avatar State of Confusion. So here I will pick one part of the episode that leaves me extremely confused and where I will ask you guys for your opinion on this. So here we see that, you know, Aang comes back, he's in the spirit world, he's trying to talk to Katara. So he walks back to the village with no staff in hand. But then, like, a little time passes and he's sitting behind Katara and he has his staff in, in his lap or he's holding it. And then when the dragon comes, he tries to fly away using the staff. But then when the dragon is, you know, connecting with him and when he goes away with the dragon, his staff is gone again. So this left me super confused. I don't know if it's a continuity error or whatever. Um, even when we see him return to his body, he is meditating with his staff. So it's in his hands. So my question is, first of all, can you take objects into the spirit world? Because I just thought it was your spirit. You know, like, it's just you that goes into the spirit world. So I, I wasn't sure if inanimate objects are able to transfer over to the spirit world. Like, or if they do, like, do you have to be holding it while you're meditating? How does that work? And, or the other side of that is, can you recall objects in the spirit world? Because, and again, I know, I know some of you might not have watched Korra, but in, in Korra... And, um, for that, like, some people in there have pie show boards, teapots, things like that. So, how do those appear in the spirit world? And how does it, 
how does it work? I have no idea. I really need to do a lot more research on the spirit world itself. But let me know your thoughts on this. Like, on his stuff. Like, does it come with him? How does it reappear and disappear? All super confusing. Okay, back to the plot. So, Aang gets on the dragon and he is going to fly to Roku. Or at least fly to a place where he can contact Roku. So on his way to Crescent Island, Aang flies over Iroh and the Earthbenders. And Iroh, like, freaks out. He, he's looking around. The Earth Kingdom soldiers think that he's crazy. And Iroh can see Aang and Roku's dragon. And there's a huge reason for that. Something that a lot of people might not know is that Iroh is actually enlightened much like how Zhang Zhang is, and that's how Zhang Zhang was able to see Avatar Roku in... What was, what was the... Oh, I forget what the episode's called, but it's in book one where we see Zhang Zhang with the fire festival and all of that stuff. But So after Iroh's son died from Ba Sing Se, Iroh spent a lot of time trying to find him in the spirit world, and I don't know much about the spirit world. I'm definitely going to do a lot of more research on it, but I don't think that that's how that works. I don't think that everybody ends up in the spirit world after they die. So Iroh was unfortunately not able to find him, but he he was able to get into the spirit world, which is a really difficult thing to do, especially if you're not spiritual, like an air nomad, or if you're not like the avatars. So so Zhao mentions this in the Siege of the North when he's talking about removing the moon as part of his plan. And Zhao says, I know all about your little journey to the spirit world. So they touch on it there, but this episode is like so far back compared to then. So people might not know that Iroh is able to go into the spirit world. So yeah, so now he has that spiritual mindset and that's why he's able to see Aang and the dragon. The Deserter. That is the name of the episode where we meet Zhang Zhang. I don't know why it took me this long to remember since the episode is named after Zhang Zhang himself, but it's The Deserter. Okay, let's get back. <laughs> Two punches. So that means it's time for my next segment that I'm calling HBIC. Head Badass in charge. Usually, HBSC stands for head bitch in charge. I will use that when I'm talking about a woman. And please note, I'm using the word bitch as a great term of endearment. I never use it to insult someone. So if I'm saying bitch in this podcast, it means I love them. But so the HBIC... So for every episode, I'm going to choose one character that I think is just so fucking cool. Such a badass, as the name says itself. So for this episode, I mean, I gotta go with Iroh. Look at him. He's an old man, but he he can fight. He's smart. He's doing all of this with his hands tied. Like, what the heck? So in this scene, music picks up. It's, it's very adrenaline rushing, I guess. I don't know how else to say it, but the beat is really fast. Iroh is just kicking ass. He's still really muscular. And again, I don't know how old Iroh is, but he's old. But this soldier 
just falls for his trick of saying that his the the what's it called the handcuffs are too loose and they need to tighten them and he just he heats them up to the point where the soldier burns his hands and Ira is able to cause a distraction and firebend with his feet and just roll down this hill which is just it's fucking awesome so Iroh you are the HBIC of this episode so now we flip back to Aang and Roku's dragon and they arrive at Crescent Island where they go to Avatar Roku's temple that is guarded by the fire sages we don't meet the fire sages here yet we will get very acquainted with them in the next episode obviously this island is in the fire nation uh roku spent a lot of time here uh training to be the avatar and a lot of other stuff i, I think he may have learned how to uh control the avatar state here by control i mean he got he was somehow able to trigger it but he wasn't able to get out um i forget how i learned that i think it was in like the avatar lost episode where he tells ang how he was able to get into the avatar state and he was very impatient with it so then he used the the celestial calendar to trigger it but once he was in the avatar state he wasn't able to get out and he ended up blowing up the temple so um but back to the actual story so the dragon then takes ang up to this huge room where we see a golden statue of roku and a bunch of fire flames around him or behind him and ang then learns how to contact roku with the winter solstice and the celestial calendar and he also learns a not so fun fact that there is a comet so he doesn't know a whole lot about it but clearly it doesn't look very fun so but my question here is does every avatar have a temple because there's been a lot of avatars and with that i feel like there's gonna be a lot of temples i know we saw some of the temples when Av or when ang triggered the avatar state in the southern air temple where like everybody's eyes lit up or the statues i should say and we got to see the other temples around the world like we saw one in we saw i believe we saw this one and then we saw one in the earth kingdom and then we saw one in the water tribe i would assume that that one was up in the north but yeah does everybody have a temple because that would be a lot of temples around the world i don't know if anybody has the answer let me know then we flip back to Iroh. He is still rolling down the hill and the music is much faster. This scene is so cool because at 18 minutes 44 seconds the earthbenders are like earth skiing down the slope and I don't think we've seen anything like that yet so really cool. Again they're barefoot which helps them earthbend better. But then Iroh gets captured but he was able to buy himself some time at least so that was good. So Katara's flying around with Appa to try and find Aang and Sokka, but she ends up flying right over Zuko. Zuko, or she catches Zuko's eye, and here he's a little conflicted. He, he He's debating what he should do. Like, he's looking at 
Appa, and I was looking at the ostrich horse prints. Like, what should, what should you do here? It's it's really testing his inner conflict that we will see quite a lot, and that we have seen already when he didn't burn Zhao during the Agni Kai. But here, he's thinking, you know, about his destiny. You know, his destiny, as he thinks it is, is to capture the Avatar. But here, he might be exercising his free will, you know, make a choice. Like, should I go pursue this destiny or should I go save my uncle that cares a lot about me? So, but when you first watched this, what did you think? Like, did you think he was going to betray his uncle and just be selfish and go find the Avatar? Or was he going to save the one man that has faith in him? I, I assumed that he would go save Iroh and I'm glad that he did because that was a great scene. So then it flips back to the burnt forest. Aang gets returned to his body and his body is holding his staff. And we see that he's sitting on top of the bear statue. Again, it's a regular bear. It's not a hybrid bear from what we see. But Aang is able to return to the village, unfortunately, empty-handed. Katara's face just breaks my heart. She's like, did you find- where's Sokka? And like gives him a smile, but- Clearly, he did not find Sokka. So, the sun sets super quickly again. Maybe this is because the solstice is coming and the sun just sets quicker. I don't know. But, flips back to Iroh. Earthbenders have him handcuffed and they're saying, you know, these hands must be crushed. And as they're about to crush his hands, to me this doesn't really make any sense because... He clearly demonstrated that he can firebend with his feet, so shouldn't they crush crush everything of his? Not just his hands? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. But anyways, as they're about to crush his hands, Zuko steps in and kicks a rock out of the way. He breaks the chains with his heel, which was super impressive to me, because like, what kind of shoes does Zuko have where he can break metal so clean like that? Like, that was really impressive to me. I'm just overthinking it. But this is such a great, great scene. It showcases Zuko's increased ability to firebend. Showcases Iroh just being the true dragon of the West and just being super powerful. One thing that I had a question about here was how tall Iroh was. Because he and Zuko are back to back. He looks a lot shorter than Zuko here. And... From what I read, I think Zuko's around like 5'2 or 5'3. Like, he's pretty short. So, Iroh is shorter? If anybody knows Iroh's height, please let me know. <laughs> These earthbenders just did not do a great job against Iroh and Zuko. Clearly, they were out and like numbered, but I don't know. They just they sucked against them. And the one of Zuko's most iconic lines, my favorite part of this episode, would you please put on some clothes? Hilarious. I just it's funny because Iroh's able to do all of this stuff even while he's like almost naked. Iroh's great. He's he's a true badass. So that's the end of the B story. We flip back to Aang and Heibai. Heibai is back. Uh, the spirit heads right over to the building that everybody is hiding in. But Aang does a thing that's similar to what the dragon did with him and touched Heibai's forehead. And he sees that Heibai is a panda and is actually the spirit of the forest. 
which is really sad. Like, his home got burnt, and Spirit doesn't know any better. He doesn't know that the Fire Nation did it. They're going to blame all humans. And I think that's something that... I, I think Spirits resent humans. I mean, the, the worlds are separate for a reason. Again, I don't have too much clarification. I did watch Korra. I just, I sped through it so quick because I was on a free trial. So, but they are adding Korra to Netflix on August 14th, everyone. So mark your calendars. Please watch it. If you haven't watched Korra yet, or if you think it sucks, please use this time to rewatch it because it, it really is. It's just so great. I love Korra. And obviously I don't love it as much as you know, Avatar The Lost Airbender. I mean, how could you love any other show besides this one? But the story of Korra is just very different. And if you listen to interviews done by done by Mike and Brian, like you'll you'll understand why it was so different. Um, you know, Avatar The Lost Airbender was fleshed out from the very beginning. And Korra was only meant to be an eight episode miniseries. They didn't realize that they were gonna get you know, four seasons of it. And even within those four seasons, they thought that they were going to be canceled or their budgets were just really unclear. So they didn't have a lot to work with. Everything was pretty uncertain. So I think that's why people might not like Cora as much, besides the fact that she's a woman. But I won't, I will not get to that until I <laughs> actually get to covering Cora, which at this point, I don't think we'll be until next year since there's, what, 60 episodes of Avatar? I haven't even looked. I think there is. 61. So yeah, I think this time next year, that's that's where I'll be. But please just give Korra a chance. I love Korra. The music is great. The art is beautiful. It explores different areas of bending like the darker sides of them you know we get a taste of it in avatar but here they just take it on a completely other level and not all of the gang is gone you know obviously ang is gone and unfortunately sokka's gone too but we still got some of the other characters which is really cool i will not spoil it for anybody until i get there of course Oh my god, where was I? I just went on a whole tangent. Sorry, I just it's just because they announced that Korra was coming onto Netflix today, so I just got really hyped up. Um, oh, okay, so Heivai. His home is destroyed. He doesn't know who did it. He doesn't really care who did it. But Aang then shows him the acorn and says that his home is going to regrow. And Heivai, the black and white spirit, turns back into a panda. A regular panda. Not a hybrid of anything, which is very strange for this show, especially when they're in Bossing Say and they're talking about, I think it was the City of Walls and Secrets, maybe, when they're trying to break into the Earth Kingdom's palace, or the Earth King's palace, and he's having a party for his pet bear, and they're like, a platypus bear? A whatever bear? Like, no, just bear, so... Clearly, it's very strange to have just a regular animal. But <laughs> so Heibai leaves, and as Heibai is leaving, these bamboo shoots sprout up in the entrance of the village, and everybody that was stolen was is now back. So they walk through the bamboo, they all get reunited with their families, 
And <laughs> Sokka's like, what What happened? And Katara explains that he was in the spirit world. And his first reaction is that he really needs to use the bathroom. And they actually call back on this when we see the Avatar and the Fire Lord episode in book three. When they think that Aang might be going to the bathroom while he's in the spirit world. And Sokka's like, in fact, there are no bathrooms there. So, again, to, to bring up Korra, uh, we explore the spirit world very heavily in, in Korra. But one of the spirits there's the fog. Uh, it's the fog of lost souls. So, here is where all of the humans are trapped in the spirit world and we see some familiar faces when when we see it but my theory is that Heibai put everybody in there and when you're in the fog of lost souls it's really scary like you you are left with nothing but you know sad memories and scary memories and you seem very like paranoid and once you get out of the fog you're just really tired so I, I think that's where they are, because Sokka clearly didn't know what had happened. Um, but I could be wrong. Who knows? The Fog of Lost Souls probably wasn't even in their minds when they were creating this episode, so. Um, where are we? Oh, <laughs> so everyone's back to normal. They're thanking Aang for all of his work, and Sokka just kind of comes right out and says, you could give us some supplies and money. <laughs> He's very blunt and very to the point, which I appreciate, but, like, he's got no chill saying that. But the guy, the villager, you know, is more than happy to do it. And they talk about Aang and how he was able to do all of this. And he lets them know about the the comet vision that he saw, which is definitely not a good sign. He tells them that he now has to go into the Fire Nation to go to Crescent Island to talk to Roku, which is... A really scary mission, something that they'll be pleading for him not to do. And yeah, a really scary, scary part. But that sets up the next episode, so part two that I'll be recording next week. But the episode then ends on a crescent moon. And I, I don't know my moon knowledge, but I do know that it's a crescent and it's on the right side. I was I studied moons when I was in sixth grade, like when I was like eleven or twelve or however old I was. So I don't remember anything. But from my knowledge, a crescent moon does not go into a full moon directly after, because the episode after this, and we do know that it's one day after the episode has a full moon. So the moons are not matching up to me. And if I'm wrong, please let me know. But from my knowledge. The crescent moon to full moon is not the correct steps in the stages of the moon. I don't know. But this episode, like, I, I like it. But at the same time, it's really sad because it starts out with that happy moment with the clouds and Aang laughing. And then it ends with this, like, bombshell. Like, there's a comet and it's potentially gonna kill people. So, really dark. A really dark episode. Well, not a dark episode, but what's to come is pretty dark. But So my opinion on this episode, I, I like it. Honestly, I kind of like the B story a little bit more just because I love Iroh. I think he is great. I love learning more about him. 
And we got to see a side of Zuko that he doesn't really showcase a lot, where, you know, he... Or actually, no, he does showcase a good amount, where he chooses, you know, his his uncle or the safety of his helmsman over his obsession of fighting the Avatar, so... And, you know, this is a lot of... A lot of growth within Aang because, you know, he didn't know how to access the spirit world before and even though he got there accidentally, he was still able to tap into that part of being the Avatar and was able to finally get in contact with Roku. So, yeah, it's great that we got to, or we actually, we don't, we didn't get to meet Roku yet, but he finds a way to get in contact with Roku. So we'll cover that in the next episode, but... I did not get any messages or questions or anything, and that's probably on me because I did not tell people that well in advance that I was recording the episode, so I am so sorry about that. But in future episodes, what I'll be doing, and I have been doing it, but uh, my last segment of every episode is going to be called Messenger Hawks. So that is where I will read out everyone's questions, ideas, thoughts, comments on, on anything. So if you have... Anything you want to send me, regardless if it's the episode that I'm recording, please let me know. Reach out. I would love to read it out loud. Um, yeah. And one thing that I will be starting, it's not for the podcast itself, but for mo- more so on like social media, I wanted to do Fan Art Friday. And I know a lot of people do that too. So send me any fan art that you want publicized. <laughs> Uh, I I would love to showcase it on Instagram and on my Twitter and my website that I am still working on. Um, But yeah, show me any of your fan art. I would love to watch it, which would be great. Or watch it. No, I would love to see it. (laughs) I would love to share it. So feel free to send that over, but also send me like your name and, you know, some social media or whatever, just so I can give you credit because I don't want to post any art without credit because that's bad um but yeah that's the end of winter solstice part one next week we'll be recording winter solstice part two which is pretty exciting so look out for that if there's any comments that you have send over a messenger hawk i'll be sure to to put it in here trying to think of anything else that i wanted to say before i ended this episode don't hate on cora maybe <laughs> especially if you haven't seen it before um i know when i was getting ready to watch it, i was really scared and just i wasn't sure what to expect but i just i put all of that aside i just you know all of my hesitations i didn't i just didn't let them cloud my head and i just watched it as it is and i really liked it so give it a chance Obviously, Korra is not like Aang for a reason. If she was just like Aang, then I think the show would have been really boring. So I'm glad that Mike and Brian created her the way that they did. So, but yeah, just take that with a grain of salt. Um, ooh, The Shadow of Kyoshi was released this past week. So if you're able to... Go and buy that at your local bookstore, and if you have to, you know, buy it online at one of the the other stores. Um, Kyoshi is just, oh, she's 
Amazing. I ordered the book, but unfortunately it's back ordered. Uh, this is the second one in the Kyoshi trilogy. So the first one was The Rise of Kyoshi, and this is The Shadow of Kyoshi. So all of it is obviously by Kyoshi. Uh, Michael Dante DiMartino, one of the co-curators of Avatar, was part of it. He helped create um, the Kyoshi series. So give it a read. She is... She is... She is... Ugh. I can't even begin to talk about Kyoshi. I am definitely going to do an episode or actually no so in between uh once I'm done like doing Avatar and then before I do Korra I was going to do some podcasts on the comics so I'll probably do one on Kyoshi so but give it a read I mean she's just she's very resilient she's she's awesome so take a look at that um Oh, so San Diego Comic-Con, they're doing everything at home this year, which I'm really excited about because I've never been to a Comic-Con before, and all of the ones around me are getting canceled. So, um, Dark Horse, who um, publishes all of the Avatar comics, is doing a panel on Friday, I believe it is at, let me look at the time. So it's 4 p.m. Eastern time for me. So that would mean it would be 1 p.m. Pacific time for those of you on the Pacific side of the United States. Just go to San Diego Comic-Con's website. They'll have everything on there. There's a bunch of stuff going on, which is great because there's no way I could afford to go to San Diego, let alone the Comic-Con, let alone during a virus. So... Feel free to watch that. I mean, it's it sounds like it's going to be fun. Michael Dante Martino is going to be part of it, as well as the other people that are involved in the comics, which is really exciting. And not related to Avatar, but sort of related to it, uh, the Dragon Prince is doing a panel at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, which would then be 3 p.m. Pacific Time. So Dragon Prince, or the Dragon Prince, I should say, was co-created by Aaron Ehas, who is the head writer for Avatar. Giancarlo Volpe also directs some of the episodes. Uh, and Jack DeSena, the voice of Sokka, is the voice of Callum. And he will also be part of the panel on Friday. So please, if you can, give that a watch. I will definitely be watching and probably live tweeting. I am so excited. Maybe we'll figure out if there's going to be a season four. I really hope that they do because season, like seasons one through three were so good. If you want to give Avatar a rest, which, you know, sounds like crazy talk to me, I know, but if you want to watch something else besides Avatar, if you want to watch something between Avatar and Korra, watch The Dragon Prince. It is so good. And this is not sponsored at all i just i think the dragon prince was so good they include people of color they include people with um disabilities like they have sign language in it it's just oh it's so good and it it is pretty similar to avatar it still hits close to home you know it's separated by books and it involves traveling and an adventure and 
It's great. And they call out Boomerang in season three, which honestly made me scream. So watch that if you can. There's not that many episodes, I don't think, or I don't really remember. I'll, I'll probably watch it between now and Korra because I just finished Avatar again for, I don't even know how many times it's been, but I just finished it again. And God, every time. I mean, we just passed the 12 year, oh my God, I can't talk because I'm getting so excited. Uh, we just passed the 12 year anniversary of the series finale this past weekend. So, and I just watched the finale today and I watched it multiple times this past weekend. So I think I am going to watch The Dragon Prince in the meantime, just so I can give my heart a break because I don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to overwatch it to the point where I'm like sick of it because I, I kind of did that with The Office. I don't even know how many times I've watched The Office at this point, but then I went and watched Parks and Rec and oh, Parks and Rec is so good too. Um, what other panels am I watching? I haven't gone through the rest of the schedule for Comic-Con, but if you're watching anything that is really interesting, let me know because I would love to sign up. Um, it's, it starts on Thursday and I think it goes until Sunday. I'm not entirely sure, but it's free. It's San Diego Comic-Con at home. And I know some of you guys are really missing cons and I really wish... I could go to one, but I understand the circumstances, but this can be our Comic-Con at home. And in the meantime, I am working on my Katara cosplay. The dress is here, and my other fabric is coming, and the Katara necklace is coming. So yeah, maybe if the- <laughs> maybe if my cosplay com comes out okay, then I will- I will display it. I, I don't know if I'll post myself in it, just because I'm kind of self-conscious, but who knows? Maybe I'll do that. Um, also, I, I've been- I recorded this podcast in three separate days, and I've just been so picky with it. I don't know why. It's prob probably because I added the segments to it, but I listened to it, and I realized that there's, like, some weird noises in the background, like knocking and stuff like that, and- it's because of these birds and it like I said it's been really hot like the last couple of days so the birds have just been trying to get into our house and we've noticed like them trying to build nests by our windows so and there's a window directly behind me and the microphone that I got di uh, records all the sound that is coming from the front so that includes the window behind me so chances are it was probably a bird knocking furiously on the window and I just didn't hear it because I have headphones on. So I am sorry if you hear some background noise. I don't know how I can control the birds, but I will try my best next time. Maybe I can move to a different part of my room. Um, wow, this is a longer ending than I realized. All right, I'll just end it with this. Um, wear your masks. Don't be racist. Black Lives Matter. They always have, they always will, and I hope everybody is staying safe out there. I know I checked in with my friends Kev and Viv, they're in Portland, I know things are pretty crazy over there, so they're safe, and I hope they continue to be safe, and I hope everybody else stays safe. But 
yeah, tune in next week. Winter Solstice Part 2. We meet Avatar Roku. Send in your messenger fox and I will catch up with you next week. Thanks for listening in and sending me things to talk about. Write an email to hellopodcasthere at gmail.com for any questions, feedback, or things you want to hear about for future episodes. Follow me on Instagram at hellopodcasthere and on Twitter at atlapodcast. That's A-T-L-A podcast for all the latest updates. My website is coming soon. Disclaimers, I am not associated with Nickelodeon, Avatar The Lost Airbender, The Legend of Korra, or anything related to the contents discussed in this podcast. I'm not being paid to talk about or promote Avatar The Lost Airbender, I'm just a fan of the show. Hello Podcast Year, an Avatar Podcast Party is created using the Anchor app.